What's up, what's up, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Modern Guilt, episode 38. I think we're closing in on 50. We might hit 50 by our one year anniversary. Mm. So, uh, yeah, you feeling a midlife crisis at all? Or are we just powering uh, through all no, like no. middle-aged episodes? Um, yeah, I'm feeling like uh, if, if the podcast is a middle-aged man, then we're just steeped in alcoholism and completely <laughs> unself-aware. So we have no capacity to reflect on ourselves and even uh, indulge the thought of a midlife crisis. Um, I was going to say we're like Lester Burnham when he changed his shit around in American Beauty. You know, we're like... On yeah, the yeah, exactly. We're, we're yeah. post-crisis already um, yeah. somehow. So pot and lifting weights and getting hit on by gay neighbors and yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I have um I have some pretty intense neighbors. I haven't. Yeah. I don't think I've ever told you about them. They're not gay, but they're interesting. Um, <laughs> All right, go on. <laughs> I mean, I guess I I'll, I guess I'll tell you another time because it's not really probably like good podcast material, but I mean, yeah. it's just worth worth mentioning. Um, um, <laughs> is it worth mentioning? I don't know, but it's done. Exactly, it's done. So I kind of kept out of the whole Royals thing and the Oprah thing. I saw a lot of people trying to make a shitstorm about that, but I just, I don't care. I don't care about it. I don't care about Oprah. I don't care about the Royals. I don't, I don't even remember. They, it was the dude who was wearing the Nazi uniform, right? That's uh, who it was? Yeah, Prince Harry. Prince Harry, yeah. And his, okay. his uh, Meghan Merkel. Yeah. <laughs> um, Complaining. Yeah, such excellent meme material, man. I was, I was, I loved that few days. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did chuckle at a few memes that came out of it, which I was pretty stoked about. Um, but I don't, I haven't followed the entire thing, so this is going mean, to be a podcast about that. There's not much to follow, really. Um, it's just like two insanely wealthy, privileged people complaining about their victimhood. Um, yeah, well, the the bigger story here is that we're in a slow news cycle, and that there that and it feels like there's a lot of shit not being talked about. So uh, I just came across a great headline that sounds much more interesting, and it's China's um, starting to look at teaching masculinity to boys uh, because they're huh. worried about changing gender roles, and um, they want boys and men to be good, strong leaders, get good grades, and excel at sports. Uh, but they're concerned about the, um, you know, Western uh, assault on masculinity. That is that is very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I I feel as though maybe they have reason to worry. I think it's like a legitimate concern. Um, but do you think masculinity is something that can be taught? Um, I want to know what that curriculum looks like, to be honest. You know, because uh, like they're saying a lot of it comes down to cultivating what a what a man does right chinese boys have been spoiled by housewives and female teachers advisor si zafu said in a policy proposal and that boys would soon become delicate timid and effeminate unless action was taken um followed up by a photo of them teaching two boys to box in a gymnasium mm. this was a story that was relevant to the states back in the 1950s maybe Oh, okay. So it's, it's just it interesting to see. Well, I mean, I don't actually have a lot of material for that. I'm just aware of like the concept of masculinity and the right. They did something similar. Effeminate. Yeah. So mm. um, it sounds like a lot of what they're trying to do is just like hard ass schooling, strong leadership skills, good grades. You have to excel in math and science and school sports. 
right? I mean, that sounds pretty familiar, right? Like we're just basically yeah, talking yeah. about like playing football and um, being, and you know, joining the military and I don't know. Or <laughs> um, sort of stuff. going to an all boys public high school. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, that that was that's actually a, a bizarre experience in hindsight. I didn't realize how weird it was to do that until like I became an adult and moved to Australia and then like told people here about my schooling because like in Australia public schools are mostly co-ed and the only like uh, most of the only uh, single gender schools are private or religious schools. Yeah. So when I tell people that, yeah, I went to like an all boys public school in New Zealand. They're like, what the fuck? That must have been horrible. And mm. I was like, I'm like, no, no, it was fine. But then when I think about it, it was actually weird as fuck. And like it, that definitely like hardened me or like embedded some sort of like masculine culture in me, which is super bizarre. Like it's, I don't yeah. know if I should like love it or hate it or well, just feel nothing. But you've got like, good leadership skills and you know your um, math and science. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen your models, you know. I've, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can use Excel to an extent. Yeah, um, exactly. So, I mean, yeah. compare that with my um, flimsy effeminate uh, models. <laughs> it's because Follow. you spend, you spend too much time changing the color of your, your grid lines. <laughs> yeah, um, So, further that um, what they're doing here is they're banning, uh, they, they brought out a law in 2016, banning all vulgar, immoral, and unhealthy content, including including um, depictions of homosexuality, which they hilariously removed from Bohemian Rhapsody. So I, I don't know. Oh, really? That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it feels like sort of like core content to the entire thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, you can't tell the story without him banging dudes at a truck stop. Yeah, um, right? Like, what but, the fuck is it? Yeah. Oh, well. Know. Um, um, terrible I kind of want movie, to watch the Chinese. The Whoa, yeah, maybe it'd be. I'd, I'd be keen to see the Chinese version of it. It'd be pretty funny. Yeah. Um, they blurred earrings and colored hair on male celebrities as well. What the fuck? That's <laughs> so. That's that's wild. That's so. That's over the top. Um, yeah. It's yeah. This kind of stuff is really fascinating. So something that I thought was um, another interesting little story from the week or last week now actually um, was. Tucker Carlson's rant on um, like gender equality in the U.S. military. Did you get around that at all? No, I've seen a lot of people uh, saying that Tucker Carlson's the new Trump, which I don't even know uh, really what they're trying to get at with that. Um, I, I, you know, what's interesting is not to derail this, but Glenn okay. Greenwald had essentially said coming up to 2021, so around November, December, that the media was going to be looking for straw men and Tucker Carlson was essentially like ripe for them to pick up and use as the new white supremacist. So I guess that's what this whole thing is, but. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, so I didn't see the clip. Anyway, wait, give, but, um, give me the lowdown. Basically, he, he gave one of his famous monologues on um, some of the reforms that the Biden administration is pushing through um, the US military at the moment, um, which, includes taking away uh, gender neutral physical endurance tests so like or fitness tests rather so I'm sure that you're already aware of how these work but for those who are not familiar like you know if you're planning to join the army you need to be able to pass um, performance and fitness tests so you need to be able to you know do x amount of push-ups with your full kit on and run x amount of miles under a certain time and that's so that you can obviously like perform on the battlefield or for lack of a better term um, and there was for a long time not 
no discrimination between men and women um, in the sense that if a woman could pass the same fitness test that a man could, then that woman was fit to serve and was encouraged to. But now women are being given uh, lower standards uh, to meet in these tests, which in theory will water down the, the physical, I guess, level of quality of soldiers in the army. Um, yeah. And also uh, pregnant women are being given... Um, new tailored uniforms so that women in the Air Force can still serve while like eight months pregnant. Um, their pregnancy flight suits. <laughs> yeah. Um, as if it's a good idea to have pregnant women in a, in a fucking bomber. <laughs> Are they short on people or something? Or like, what's the... Well, it, it sounds like it, right? Like <laughs> there, there was this cascade of pregnant or formerly pregnant women piling in on him or on the world in general just screaming into the, <laughs> the void to ease their frustrations saying like i proudly served while i was pregnant and like did a really good job and blah 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 not realizing that they shouldn't be expected to do that at all <laughs> like, yeah. i find i find um the way that we encourage pregnant women to like act as if they're not pregnant in like professional workplaces or in like a labor context so bizarre and that yeah. somehow women have been like mind tricked into feeling as though they should be proud of the fact that they're like digging holes while pregnant it's definitely a side off <laughs> yeah it's super weird yeah we're like we're like look at how comfortable your workplace is for you to be while pregnant now there's no excuse for you to stop working so uh on that note mckinsey and bain and company and i think maybe even bcg um the top three consulting companies in the world that, is, that have been um you know done such progressive work as trying to help uh <laughs> purdue get around its oxycontin uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh putting the blame of the hiv crisis on south africa on somebody else other than the bureaucrats in charge um is now coming back saying they did <laughs> i think it was fucking bain and capital that is like sorry, not Bain Capital, Bain & Company um, that has a, another company called Bain & Capital that Mitt Romney ran and essentially would just buy up and fucking gut companies and then sell them off and fire everyone. So they're just like vultures. Um, yeah, yeah. They've been coming out Good with stuff. all this like, uh, today Bain & Company is proud to, you know, give new research on uh, W-O-M-X-N because I don't know how that's pronounced. Um, oh right like woman yeah. with, with with no eggs. vowel at the end yeah and how they are, like, <laughs> celebrated and pushed into the workforce and i keep reading it and i just think like so much of this just reads like you're trying to capitalize on cheap labor of some kind and it's with this like really thin veneer of being progressive but ultimately you're just being predatory which mm. sounds exactly what you're talking about right like, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's um like anna kachunin from red scare once did a sort of riff on this, which I thought was pretty pretty accurate. And she said that, like, from her perspective, like a lot of uh, modern feminist theory is um, sort of I think originates from a noble a noble uh, intention and and is done in good faith. But like so many things, is like co-opted by you know like corporate interests and yeah. serves mostly to just introduce a new labor class to the market. Mm. So if you think about the way that in uh, the 60s, one of the big social issues was the fact that women were typically, and I'm doing air quotes here, subjugated to the home or the domestic sphere. Mm. Um, and that was framed as like disempowerment. People were pretty quick to jump on the bandwagon as well as, you know, corporate interests in supporting women leaving the home and their child rearing duties to um, get into the workplace and increase productivity, um, which we can now see as 
this pretty like hollow end goal where <laughs> you have a man and woman working 40 to 60 hour weeks to pay rent in a house that's like falling apart and has like black mold growing in it while their their child is in childcare from the age of one until yeah. they graduate fucking high school and then they send off to college to go and get a $100,000 degree. Uh, like it completely <laughs> like decimates the traditional relationship between like a mother and their child. Leave your kid at home. Yeah, yeah like so... it, it's a it's a pretty good way to to create an, a completely empty and soulless household. Hashtag when you're girl boss. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, well, that's good. You're a girl boss, so you're um, yeah. CEO of Pepsi Cola. I think it is. Uh, uh-huh. I think her name's Sue. I don't know. I should probably double. Oh, that. Sue, the CEO. Yeah, Sue. Really? No, Wait. I don't know. I'm just, just oh, okay. I don't um, know anything. Pepsi Cola. CEO. Let me double check this so I can factor it. Oh, that's definitely not him. Um, her. That is oh, you're thinking of Susan, not Sue. There's some CEO of a major company. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. I'm... Oh, you're fucking with me? Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, uh, there's basically this like CEO, it's not Pepsi Cola, it's a, um, uh, maybe like, I don't know, some equally massive fucking conglomerate company. And she was, I was reading an article or an interview with her, and she essentially was like, um, her kids grew up thinking that uh like uh, what was it it was it was something like they thought ah, fuck i gotta find the fucking interview it was an outrageous thing where they essentially didn't recognize their own mother because they only saw her through an ipad you know and then yeah no right but also the whole article was meant to be about like how empowered she is and how great she feels and it's like well yeah but you know you got to think about the sacrifices she's made yeah um which is like not spending any time with her children who then don't recognize her at all you know which fucking sucks but hey she made tons of money wow <laughs> yeah good good on her yeah i like got like stuck in this like ran to a party i was at recently talking yeah. about something similar to this where like i was saying that our generation is arguably the first generation of people raised by like absent mothers um yeah. Or a, a, a good proportion, a good portion of us are at least. Yeah. And now you've got millennials, Gen Zs, um, whatever else comes in between. I don't know the names of all of these fucking categories that people fall into. Yeah. But growing up with like this victim complex, and they're all fucking mental because they feel like they were deprived <laughs> during their childhood, um, <laughs> and they're going out into the world and fighting these like fake invisible crusades um just like one individual that you and i were talking about before we started recording this podcast oh, yeah. and um they they act as if they're empowered the same way that they saw them their mothers acting um despite the fact that they were basically just having their their labor appropriated at the expense of their family um yeah. and then deep down they hate themselves for it and <laughs> i think that's like it could be a huge factor of why society's veering off the motorway right now mm. we're fucking <laughs> asleep at the wheel dealing with all these issues that develop in our yeah. empty but productive uh home lives yeah well it's pretty interesting eh? because i come from a like uh i guess you would consider all the females in my family are like girl boss or whatever um my grandmother was one of the first doctors in new zealand and uh she is like fucking ruthless man and she doesn't believe in any of that shit you know like a a lot of it comes down to like regrets around not spending more time with their family and whatever like if you want to fucking work really hard then that's your own choice but exactly it's it's definitely getting framed in a way that is like oh you were sold this lie and you know you you really can give away all of your time for 
labor and shit. I don't know. It sucks. So that sucks. Yeah. Um, um, people <laughs> should definitely be free to make their choices, but they shouldn't have their choices framed as um, a part of some sort of culture war, which is what happens. Yeah. Like, like women who don't participate in the workforce are shamed. Yeah. Um, and if you look at families who are well off enough to have um, a single salary income, where most often the father provides, you know, a, a high income so the mother and children can, can stay at home. Like, we as a society, um, we, like, denigrate those people um, because we're all, like, secretly jealous, I think. Yeah, well... Like, there's this idea of, like, the soccer mum who, like, yeah, sure, it can be fucking a bit ridiculous and, like, we all know those women or the stereotype of that woman when we see yeah. them... Uh, walking down the street at 1 p.m. on a weekday with nothing else to do apart from push their kids around and drink coffee with their friends in their Pilates clothes. That's but, fucking sick. Yeah, but it, like exactly, that's a fucking really good lifestyle. But we act as if that that's some sort of joke. The real yeah. joke is on us because we can't do that. The real joke is from the fucking people that have to like stare at them from like their little cubicles. You don't even get cubicles exactly. Anymore. You know, you just get pushed into your like factory office worker pen where you just have to. Like, yeah, yeah. Breathe or your your co-working space. Yeah, yeah. You're just breathing in other people's fecal matter all day and yeah. just you know being like hashtag boy and girl boss. I'm so <laughs> powered. It's like no, you're not. That sucks. We all know it. Sucks. Yeah. Just um, it's easier to. Um, implementing low-scale social movements in your office space yeah. you know we're we're combating we're combating climate change by putting new pot plants in the office yeah we just replaced the fluorescent <laughs> lights with leds it's just like yeah we're making the air in the office space cleaner to breathe by putting uh succulents and cacti on each of our desks oh. instead of using the plastic cups by the water cooler now we each bring our own mugs so disgusting man yeah you guys win that's yeah. it. Yeah, Put you were hands yeah. in the air. That's the worst part. It's like, <laughs> um, so my sister's an engineer, uh, and she was telling Shout me out. about, um, you know, her work and stuff like that. And she's just like, it fucking sucks. You know, it's like, like there's all of this push to move into this field and to get females involved and and to get frankly more people involved. But it's fucking horrible. It's just like sitting around uh, with a bunch of miserable people who are like all passive aggressive and have long since lost their autonomy. You know because they gave it away for like 2% pay increases every single year. Yeah. So, you know, if that's the prize you want, go forth, grab it. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Exactly. Um, if you need a reason to feel good about yourself, then you, um, you should pick the easy fights because that's one of them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, you know? you know, there's plenty of low hanging fruit out there for you to go and, uh, go and take. So, uh, if that's what you want, then yeah. it's your choice. Totally. Totally. Um, anyway, that, that whole thing. Yeah, fucking... That's kind of how I feel about it, right? Like, those people are digging their own graves and everybody else... Uh, I don't even feel like you need a counter-argument for it because you should just let them let them do it, you know? Yeah, let exactly, yeah. The, you want to, like, throw away all your time on jobs that are unfulfilling? Go ahead. It's, yeah. it's a free <laughs> fucking market. Doesn't bother know? me. Yeah. Um, and then check back in when you're 65 and tell me if you feel like you had a fulfilling life. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. If you did, then good shit. I'm not yep. wrong. Yeah. 
Oh, but you yeah, won't either. That's off, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I'm I know how I feel about that sort of stuff. And I am opting out. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be a <laughs> soccer dad. Um I actually love you know, one of the things that has always put me off having children is I never wanted to do it if I couldn't spend the significant time with the kid growing up. Because I, I just yeah, like I get that. So unfair, man. Like I don't wanna have to juggle external worries. Like I wanna grow up with the child and have fucking experiences with them and be like, you know, do all that great stuff. And if you can't do that, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. You know, it's highly unrealistic to think that anybody can even be in that fucking position, but it just always struck me. Like that's what realistically how it happened. Like, you know, when we were in caves and shit and it feels like that's what you should have to, to bring up a child, not just like pawn them off to fucking some, you know, stranger and, uh, let them get taught by, you know, by the institutions, by McKinsey and Company, <laughs> yeah. how they can be a better yeah. for um, the um, a better the primary school that runs on donations from the consultancy firm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I didn't dig into this uh, article or this topic very much, but I recently recent um, skimmed over something that mentioned that in all of the war game simulations that the United States Army is uh, running against China in which they, you know, basically just simulate different scenarios where those two countries go to war against each other. China's wiping right. the floor. Um, <laughs> so there, there may be something to be said there when you have, um, you know, US soldiers strutting around the, their military base in Virginia in high heels and uniform. But yeah. um, whatever. Um, much like everything else, that's their choice. Mm. But speaking of China, I was doing a lot of reading um, last night and this morning on China's um, recent, uh, recently announced climate change targets. Um, you might be aware, and the listeners might be as well, that China declared uh, at the end, near the end of 2020 that they are aiming for complete carbon neutrality by the year 2060, which is a massive deal wow. because, at the, because at the moment, um, China emits 28% of the, the world's um, carbon emissions. And it's really interesting the way that this is being being framed. Um, so I read a handful of articles. Um, one of them was from from the Center for Strategic and International Studies, um, published in 2017. So obviously prior to the announcement. Um, yeah. But it talked about talked about um, the way that even in 2017 and f- far before that, I, I recall this conversation happening in like the, the early 2010s, like 2011, um, about the way that China had positioned itself as a leader in renewable energy technology and was essentially um, driving the world's um, path towards sustainable energy and, and hopefully eventual um, net, emi- um, net neutral emissions. Hmm. And this article is really interesting because it's kind of um, written from like a, a geopolitical and economic um, context as opposed to like a, an ideological one. Um, and it talks about the way that um, Chinese, the, the Chinese sort of mission to, to speed up um, the growth of renewable technologies and industries and also to, to deregulate their market to be able to encourage outside investment in, Chinese, in the Chinese renewable sector is like a, a net win um, for the international community for a variety of reasons. Um, the first is that obviously someone needs to do the heavy lifting when it comes to innovation in the renewable sector. And despite a lot of um, 
ideological bluster and narrative spinning, the West has been doing a woeful job of it, or had been up until 2017, and I would argue still is, um, despite talk of a Green New Deal in the United States being brought about by Uncle Joe and his uh, invisible administration. Yeah. So yeah, another another big point that they were talking about was how China's uh, growing renewable sector is a positive factor from like a geopolitical standpoint, because if China can become um, less reliant on you know, on fossil fuels, like oil, coal, and gas from other countries, then China actually has less of an incentive to spread its military presence around the world, which is something that the West shits its pants about on a daily basis. So like, mm. if China feels as though it no longer needs to project its influence in, uh, in the Middle East or Africa, for example, because they're generating a lot of their energy needs at home, um, then the West can hopefully relax a little bit and say like, okay, well, you know, we don't need to be counter counteracting this Chinese military threat because um, there's no longer a war over these resources. And also their focus on renewables and environmental technologies has been really prevalent in their like Belt and Road initiatives. So the Belt and Road initiative, for those who aren't aware, is sort of the Chinese government's plan to, to rebuild what used to be the Silk Road. So um, the trade network that runs from uh, East Asia through the Middle East into sort of Eastern Europe and Russia, and then down into like North and East Africa as well. So um, China is financing huge infrastructure projects, um, offering loans to developing countries in those regions, and trying to build a network of, um, of railways, ports, um, manufacturing facilities, highways, airports to uh, facilitate greater trade between each of these countries and China. And through that method, um, exercise like its soft power or diplomatic uh, clout, I suppose. Mm. But um, because China's renewable sector is, is so strong and leads the world, by building this Belt and Road Initiative, they're actually able to, I guess, extend that sector to developing countries like East Asia and also the, the BRICS countries, which stands for what is it? You know this, don't Brazil, you? Brazil, Russia. Um, Brazil, India, Russia, yeah. India. China. China, South Africa. South Africa? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they have, um, there's a, uh, a BRICS development bank or, or something similar to that. I can't remember the exact name for it, which China extends um, clean energy loans through as well. But it's really interesting if you fast forward from 2017, where this article offers a pretty objective and I think positive overview of the Chinese renewable sector and paints them as like uh, the, the engine behind global renewable growth. Mm. You come to the end of 2020, uh, obviously in the middle of the pandemic, where China, China's leader Xi Jinping announces their um, 2060 net neutrality um, goal. And you suddenly see articles in the New York Times and Vox um, coming out and saying, China aims to be carbon neutral by 2060, it's, but its new five-year plan won't cut it um, because the plan could allow for emissions to keep growing through 2025. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. That, that's a, a quote. That's a headline from an article in Vox that I just read. If we jump over to the New York Times, the headline reads, China's pledge to be carbon neutral by 2060, what it means. Under international pressure to do more to address global warming, Xi Jinping made a surprise commitment to drastically reduce emissions. Now comes the hard part. 
these articles appeared with um, photos of Chinese industry, air pollution, um, trying to obviously paint an image of China as this horrid hellscape where they've absolutely failed to um, you know, manage their environment and pollution and they've failed to scale their industry without these disastrous negative side effects. Yeah. And comparing or, or painting China as this absolute monster as if all global renewable growth hasn't occurred on the back of the China, China's heavy lifting. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and trying to position China's efforts in, uh, in growing their clean energy economy as like paling in comparison to the empty promises of the incoming Biden administration, which I find <laughs> like uh, particularly interesting. Um, Especially considering like, where do you think they're going to be getting their fucking renewables from? You know, like, yeah, yeah, for, exactly. the, for, these, for the Biden uh, initiative, like, are they manufacturing them in the States? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, where are those solar panels coming from, guys? <laughs> yeah. And they, they complained that as a part of this plan, China's emissions will have to continue growing um, marginally for the next five years before they can start tapering off. And this is the kind of like partisan hair splitting and fucking bickering that drives me insane with regards to the climate issue, which is something that I am pretty interested in and passionate about, but generally don't try and involve myself with because of this kind of stuff exactly. Like people act as if you don't need to burn coal to create steel, to build the infrastructure that you need to eventually implement this clean, clean economy. Um, people point out the fact that um, I think nearly half of the world's coal is burned in China, but don't highlight the fact that China manufactures, I mean, let's pull a figure out of the air, like, would you say like 60% of manufacturing in the world occurs in China? Oh, who knows, but it's a, it's a Maybe, lot, you know, yeah, yeah. An, an enormous amount. Um, and they also are really quick to point out that um, China has implemented this new plan um, due to international pressure yeah. and like the, the collective efforts of the West um, in setting up this complete paper tiger, which is the Paris Agreement. And it's like, no, China has decided that this is what China will do. They've caught their economy up with the rest of the developed world. And now it's time for them to put their fucking big boy pants on and do what big boys do and get their shit together and fucking clean up their air, tackle climate change and get shit done as China fucking does. But we can't help but, you know, uh, point out all of the fake flaws in their plan. This drives me insane, man. Well, that to me makes me just want to buy up some ETFs that focus on China renewables, you know, like, because mm -hmm. let's, let's be real here. It's probably undervalued. The stupid fuckwits like that, that seem to think that they just get paid to bitch for a living um, and they can do what they do. But man, everything you've said, I'm just like, oh, imagine some of those ETFs. Imagine oh, that'd be fucking juicy, renewables. man. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. You've. Pretty much just sold me on it. I'm gonna start and, rotating into that shit. <laughs> and like, dude, it's even outside of um, renewables. Like, even stuff like China's electric vehicle industry is fucking booming, dude. Like, I think Neo um, has unfairly fallen victim to its status as a meme stock um, because I, I truly believe in that company. If I had uh, more money to put into the market, I would be investing in Neo. Um, the the rate that they've rolled out like their infrastructure is. I, I would say unmatched, um, like the enthusiasm that the Chinese market embraces their, their vehicles with is just astounding. Like their, their figures are 
pretty pretty jaw dropping mm. in terms of sales and growth. Um, yeah, yeah, right. I'm I, I, to I love it up right now. Whoa, yeah. they had a big drop from uh, their peaks. Could yeah, yeah. Buyer. They've had a rough time. Um, Sick. Which is which is the nature of these meme stocks, unfortunately. Um, which is why yeah. I wish that people would just fuck off and leave good companies alone. But um, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Well. So, yeah. That's that's like very reassuring news, and and like I guess the dominant theme of this whole pod uh, of late has been more on the lines that, like you know, uh, the West is looking more and more like what they warn you China is, and China's looking more yeah. and more what these like initiatives to revitalize you know Western economies want to be, but aren't because we don't have the skills, the people, the manufacturing base to produce anything other than fucking more lawyers and accountants and, you know, and professional um, bitchers that just bitch all day online, you know, that's our economy. Something that, um, like, that Bill Maher said in the video you recently linked me and that has been circulating um, on social media, rightfully so, uh, yeah. over the last few days, is that he's like, we're not losing to China. And when, he, when he's saying we as in we, the United States, clearly speaking from an American perspective, it's like, we're not losing to China. We've already lost. The returns just haven't come in yet. Mm. China's eating our lunch, and in another hour, they're going to be hungry again. Yeah. And that, to me, was just perfectly encapsulated. And that's, that's like something that you and I said at the beginning of the BLM movement. Mm. Um, so the United States was struck with the double blow, the one-two punch of the, the pandemic, uh, and the subsequent lockdown and then the Black Lives Matter riots um, where it looked like the prospect of a civil war was not out, out, of, um, out of the picture, out of the question. And you and I said on the podcast, I'm sure, or, or at least I did, that like this, this narrative that China is overtaking the US is, is a few years behind the eight ball because it's already happened. And like this is, mm. <laughs> this is the evidence. Um, you saw pictures of people fucking at raves at swimming pools in Wuhan, like two months after the pandemic had man. crippled the rest of the world, man. Oh, I wanted to be there. It looks so sick. I, I know, like, dude. Imagine just fucking yeah. jamming out, you know, having a good time. You um, know what? Um, something I just had a random thought now. It's pretty funny. Like last night I watched The Lord of the Rings for the first time in like ages, which yeah. is like one of my favorite movies of all time and is like so important to me that I consider it like a part of my like, my soul um yeah but th there's the scene near the start of the fellowship of the ring where um gandalf realizes that uh sauron has started to regain his power and is like sending his minions out to reclaim the ring for him and he goes to saruman and he says like you know we need to we need to act against sauron we need to get ahead of the curve here and saruman says to gandalf like nah man like you don't realize that it's already too late we need to join him um we need to forge an alliance with Sauron. Yeah. And I feel like you and I are Saruman. Sauron <laughs> is China. And Gandalf is like these SJWs that are complaining about like the social credit system. <laughs> <laughs> is that like the fucking, um, like, it, okay, if we're going to run with that analogy though, then in reality, I feel like, uh, like Sauron isn't even that bad, you know, compared to. Exactly. And yeah. The hobbits are really just like these short hairy people that are really fucking irritating and annoying well what's that kind the of hobbits so... the hobbits are the children raised by absentee mothers in <laughs> suburban new york who hate themselves and have a victim complex <laughs> uh, 
so fucking wrecked. So, yeah, yeah, fuck it all. I'm so rotating into um, Chinese. Chinese I'm putting my man. money where my mouth is. I'm fucking going in. I, I'm going to slowly divest from America um, because I just think it's fucked and just psh, move it over to that side of the world. Yeah. Ray Dalio is doing it as well, man. He's like yeah. heavily rotated. Yeah. He actually released a new article this morning. I saw that. Uh, yeah, I, I had a read through it. It's quite good. Oh, cool. He um he basically he refers to his like uh, credit and debt cycle theory, um, and pretty much says that right now we're coming to the end of uh, the long term debt cycle, and that it's uh, time to get your ducks in a row. Oh god, I'm so fucking nervous. Eh? I'm just like <laughs> praying that I can break even on everything, and that yeah. I'm just gonna fucking covered call my ass out of all my positions and yeah, move into something Interesting. Um, so if you want to throw a fire on that, uh, I came across this article um, that is a very similar vein, only the spotlight's taken from China. Now let's look at America and this latest investment craze. So the New York Times, uh, sorry, not the New Yorker, um, released a good article for the first time in forever. Uh, <laughs> this is like such a refreshing change because it reminded me like why I started reading that pile of fucking flaming dog shit in the first place. Um, it's just gone so far downhill, you know, like when they started, oh, I mean, as have most mainstream media outlets in the United States, unfortunately, but yeah, yeah. but the New Yorker still, yeah, does some good shit. I find every now and again, this was a good one. This is what mm -hmm. happens when investment firms acquire trailer parks. Um, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Ooh, I like this already. Right. Well, one thing that I was thinking of is because I was looking into, you know, real estate as an asset and I was thinking, um, there's a short period of time that I spent in a trailer park up north in New Zealand in this uh, like derelict little town called Dargaville. And I remember rocking into this trailer park and having all these like old people come out and just like fucking look at me like I was some sort of, you know, strange, strange city man or something like that. <laughs> they were all like these weird mountain folk that didn't want to be bothered. Um, and I was thinking, what the fuck is going on here? Why, why are all these old people here? And I was just buying my own business and, you know, making food or whatever. Um, and overheard a couple of them talking. And they essentially were just talking about how, you know, their pension was just kind of like just covering their rates. And then I realized, oh, fuck, this entire mobile park that I'm in, this trailer park, is just people living on the pension because they can't afford to go anywhere else. And I was like, mm. that's brutal. That's really fucked up. Like, I, because I had wondered where the fuck do all the elderly go when they retire and they can't afford to live um well which is another backwards practice of the west if you compare it to um like the culture of china of um oh yeah respecting and caring for the elderly which but anyway well and as mentioned on a previous pod china has been looking to scoop up our old white guys um that have been yeah being, uh, i guess cast into the mobile trailer parks here which is also happening in new zealand so it's not specific to the united states um source myself because i stayed in one so i've also <laughs> seen it at a numerous other places in new zealand i've been at where these old people rock up in their fucking camper vans and they camp outside of rsas and they just fucking hang out there and they have nowhere to go mm. and it's really really fucking depressing because they can't yeah, that's to great, anywhere. yeah and they've just been cast away um so i feel for the elderly uh it's something that i think like Jesus Christ, someone should just start a good mobile trailer park home that isn't predatory and lets these people exist because they have nowhere else to fucking go. Unfortunately, uh, 
it turns out they can make, you can make a lot of money on this, right? So in the US, 20 million people, uh, most of them elderly, there's also veterans, people with disabilities and everything live in mobile homes. Um, they're called, which is, you know, in the US they call them manufactured housing. And these mobile home parks now compose one of the largest sources of non-subsidized low-income housing in the country because there is not one single state in which a person working a full-time job for minimum wage can afford a one-bedroom apartment for fair market rent. Ooh, that's fucking the entirety of the Midwest as well. How that is, is that? Fucked up, dude. Yeah. So that's just oh. like, that's just fucking brutal. So demand for subsidized housing basically is far exceeded the supply and mobile home parks have offered this, uh, you know, affordable private market solution um, that has largely sort of been left to its own devices for years and years and years. You know, it's like kind of like one of the last bastions of being able to afford to live somewhere and be you know, kind of left in peace, I guess, <laughs> or at least yeah, know yeah. that you have the security of being able to go somewhere. Um, so enter in Blackstone Group, Apollo Global Management, Stockbridge Capital Group, RV Horizons, and all of these predatory fucking asset management management group now if i remember correctly blackstone is the largest asset manager i think they have like 8.3 trillion dollars yeah um, you're right yeah so when people were uh camp you know running around thinking that they're getting one over the hedge funds blackstone made about a billion dollars on gamestop you know so just just remember that next time you're trying to uh fucking yolo in and think you're getting one over melvin capital because there's the largest asset manager in the fucking world is on the other side of the trade and they're very happily scooping up um, they're um you know, essentially on the every side of every trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there's almost nothing that happens in the market that cannot benefit them. Oh man, their tentacles just wrapped around the fucking world. And now yeah. they're in these trailer parks, right? So these funds have basically noticed that they can start buying. It's just kind of weird that it's taken so long, but it's also a signal that something darker and more sinister is happening in the world. Um, sorry, it's taken so long for them to start investing into trailer park homes. So... These large asset managers have started noticing that areas where tech has started pushing up the cost of living because of high salaries and all these well-paid tech workers are just starting to buy up houses everywhere um, are having massive inflows into these trailer parks where nobody can afford to live. So basically, it's a ripe opportunity to make a buck. Um, and most of the people who are buying these mobile homes uh, you know, can't afford long-term mortgages so they are financing this entire thing with high interest chattel loans like basically oh, like car loans dude. and stuff so they're hugely vulnerable um and they're also if this isn't bad enough these mobile homeowners aren't effectively living in a house right they're living in a car or whatever whatever the fucking government sees a mobile home as you know yeah it's yeah. just kind of considered to be this thing um so you don't have any protection against rent increases or evictions so you can just get like, kicked oh, wow. out, right? This is like a perfect storm. And anyway, so this like uh, traditional home ownership obviously generates intergenerational wealth, uh, which is something that we talk about a lot on here, like the importance of owning assets. Um, contrary to the Dave Hoss group, if you don't own assets, you will not be happy. <laughs> uh, you'll be very unhappy because you have nothing, you know, and the only thing that holds its wealth over long periods of time is assets that have some sort of like ability to appreciate and value like housing. Unfortunately, mobile homes do not have that whatsoever. So they just like lose value. They hemorrhage cash um, because they are basically, 
you know, like these. Yeah, they're they're cool essentially products. like a consumer product. Yeah, right. Like, and, and plus you don't normally own the underlying land. You just own the mm. mobile home, which is always yeah. falling apart. So it's just not a fucking good investment. So these people are like extremely vulnerable to any fluctuation in the economy. So this reporter goes on to basically talk about this one cap uh, asset manager called RV Horizons that bought up this trailer park and then just noticed that they could just raise rent, you know. Um, so there's this one person paying $270 a month and then they just jacked it up to $310. Um, what is that? Let's let's do the, get the percentage gain on that real quick. Um, that can't be right. Is that right? No. Uh, you'd do okay. 310 divided by 270 minus one, wouldn't you? Okay. No, that's not right either. <laughs> we suck so much. <laughs> Oh, no, it is. So it's a 15% it? increase. Yeah, 15%. So imagine that. Imagine your rent increasing by 15% a week. It's huge, right? Like, these people don't have any money to sort of, like, uh, account for the massive increase. It doesn't sound yeah. like a lot, but it really is. Um, so they've also, if, they, if that's not bad enough, basically, um, this asset manager also started saying that uh, residents have to start paying for upkeep, and they have to pay for... Um, I think they were saying that they have to pay for water and they then have to pay for like their connection to the fucking um, the grid to the grid and all that sort of stuff so they're just like stripping back everything from this and the people that have traditionally owned these trailer parks um, you know have like I'm sure they're not the most legit characters in the world you know they're probably not like no of course um, yeah saints or anything but they're also not don't have the like uh, predatory fucking nature of these asset managers because you, if you imagine doing that to someone, that's fucking yeah. brutal. Or so, like just the um, like the lethal calculated capability of these companies. Like yeah, like a guy who owns a, a plot of land and sets up a trailer park on it, he probably knows how to run a business, but he doesn't know how to wring every percentage of margin out of it that these these big companies can who do this. This their bread and butter for a hundred years, you know. Oh, this is just like one asset class. Eh? It's just like yeah, something that's not performing where it should be. So yeah, it's very common for them to just sort of sweep in, uh, jack up the rates, and then cut all expenditure on upkeep. Uh, so RV Horizons in this particular case also, if it, if it wasn't bad enough that they're making it unaffordable to live in these fucking trailer parks, they were sending all residents forty seven pages of like a forty seven page lease. Um, full of like legalese and bullshit, as oh. well as saying that they have an eight-hour limit on street parking for guests, a requirement for a hundred thousand-dollar minimum insurance policy to cover accidents to pets, and uh, quiet <laughs> hours. And... Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and they're not allowed to have clotheslines, um, and there would be a fifty-dollar late fee on any rents received after the monthly deadline. So. In addition, and if that's not bad enough, they fucking find basically, you know, someone in the park, give them a little more power, and then let them like lord it over the other residents. Oh, damn. No. It's like, yeah, so it's just this nightmarish. Uh, it, it honestly reminds me of what you hear about when you read about, um, you know, like the cotton picking slave trade back in the South. And just, yeah, for sure. Just this ruthless exploitation of workers, and like the, they'll elevate like one. Uh, person to have you know a little more power than everyone else to just sort of like and, and just to keep everyone in check 
So yeah. this one lady was like basically taping shut the mailbox to put your rent checks in at 5 p.m. on the dot. So, you know, if you didn't have it in by then, you'd have to pay $50 late fee, which if you're on the fucking pension, which as far as I'm aware... That's devastating. Yeah, is I don't exactly know the number, but it's not very high, um, can wipe you out. So <laughs> one resident in there was saying that all of these rent increases effectively made him have to choose between buying his medication to treat his cancer or paying his rent, right? <laughs> so it's just an absolute nightmare. Like, um, it's sparked up, there's this, it got some attention on uh, John Oliver's show. It sparked up this whole series of people trying to capitalize on these trailer park homes, including the Mobile Home University that's sprung up um, that has stated mobile home parks are the hottest sector of the real estate economy right now due to the endless decline in the U.S. economy. <laughs> and to saying that basically, oh. while the U.S. economy declines, you can be assured that this will always keep going up because of the demand for, um, you know, low-cost low housing. Uh, that is so fucking grim. Yeah. Yeah. So these people living here, uh, living, living in these fucking trailer parks, don't even get to use federal housing vouchers to help them pay their rent, um, which is, you know, been like the only way that they can avoid eviction. Um, and even in some cases where uh, there has been an allowance for them to use it, the fucking asset managers has refused to accept their housing vouchers. So they're like, they're turning away the fucking money and evicting these people out. Bastards. Anyway, that's to me one of the best pieces that the New Yorker's done recently, and it really highlights just how fucking bleak shit is over there. Um, yeah, that's a sounds like a great piece, man. Um, good find. Yeah, we'll link it in the in the show notes. So absolutely. Yeah, I guess I guess it's one of those things where you start looking at this whole picture now, and, and you're really getting an eye for just how gutting, uh, how much gutting is happening within America, and it's just like how much asset managers are just starting to like eat more and more and more out of like the lower class yeah you know yeah man um after after i mentioned that youtube series soft white underbelly in the last episode yeah i um i wanted to link um like a youtube video that shows the conditions that people live in in skid row in la and i went on like a little a mini rabbit hole doing like um video tours from like people's cars through skid row um, oh yeah, I think I've seen one of those. Yeah, and like I imagine, you know, some of these trailer parks are not that different, but it, it's just horrible to see the how far some people have fallen in the United States, man. Mm. They're just whole swathes of people who are just completely allowed to to fall by the wayside. Whereas in in China, in two generations, they've lifted like sixty six percent of their population out of poverty into the into this newly created middle class they're generating so much fucking wealth and prosperity mm. man and what are, what are they doing in the united states it's the exact opposite man yeah like you know they're eroding the middle class and more and more people are finding themselves in these stopgap measures just to fucking try and live um, yeah totally and, and like any suggestion that you can pull yourself out of this you know by, by having a chipper attitude and a uh, putting in the work get fucked you can't do shit you're fucked you should be annoyed be angry with the people in power because it's just like you you know and the institutions that tell you otherwise and they're so fucking dishonest man like mm -hmm. um you know oh sorry carry on oh it's just gonna rant further you know it's like it's basically it's almost like a fucking weekly reminder now um about the great bag hold 
that universities are pushing out and just how fucking much they're lying to people about your actual opportunities at the end of everything, you know, because we offshored everything. What are you going to be doing? Most of the jobs don't exist anymore. You know, like yeah. if you're not holding assets and you're thinking that you can get by on just like this fanciful new economy of shared resources. That's not a fucking new economy. That's that's you getting ripped off uh, and having to pay exorbitant fees to fucking borrow other people's assets. Um, I've got a couple of thoughts. The first one bouncing off what you just said is that I had a thought recently um, based on something that a friend of mine said to me about something I experienced personally is that I think as well that like the remote working phenomenon has or is going to have like a devastating effect on people who are trying to um, escape like the, the lower class to get into the sort of like the shrinking middle class of like white collar work and which I think is like increasingly becoming defined by your status as a remote worker or someone who works from home. Um, in that the, these industries are becoming walled off and inaccessible. Mm. So like as someone who, as a graduate who has been trying to get into the job market or, or the, whatever you call it, um, I've been finding that the, the interviews that I've been offered are like via Zoom where there's no opportunity to ingratiate yourself with the person interviewing you yep. if you're even being interviewed by a person. Otherwise, you're put in this scenario where you're speaking into a camera jumping through hoops um doing online tests and all of this kind of shit where there's this like clear power dynamic between the the person who's working remotely in their home office protecting their bag from all of these people knocking on the door trying to get in mm. um and so like something else that my friend mentioned to me so i i to be honest, I shouldn't have even bothered applying for this job, but it, the description of it was better than what it turned out to be. So it was like a uh, customer support role for doing financial services, um, working from home though. So essentially it would just be like on the phone, taking calls from customers in my fucking spare room at a desk, you know? Um, and my rationale was like, well, maybe I can, I can stick it out for six months and then try and move up or move to another role within the company. Um, it's a it was a large financial company and my friend mentioned to me like after i had decided to quit pursuing this that he was like dude there's no way that you could could have done that anyway because you don't have the chance to actually communicate with your bosses or like build relationships within the organization because you're just a fucking number mm -hmm. you're just some like some distant concept who is like filing customer service reports at a remote location that they don't even have to like think about yeah um so like I, I think there's this yeah interesting kind of protection of um of desirable jobs happening through remote working which as we all know is very unlikely to revert back to um the norm like everyone going to offices five days a week mm. um and the second point i had i've now forgotten which is such a shame yeah. but that's okay um what were we talking about oh okay i remember what it was now so we're talking about um you know how people are people are bag holding and um we're being sold these uh hollow uh policy initiatives being that are being dressed up as revolutionary or progressive yeah to distract us from the fact that the fucking the biden administration can't give people a 15 dollar minimum wage man like obviously in australia in new zealand well 
in Australia, wages are, are far better than the United States. So like, yeah. I'm not complaining from that perspective, but I'm complaining on behalf of everybody in the United States. I mean, and New Zealand, where wages are not great either. Oh, terrible. Uh, yeah. We're getting, an asset economy. We, we don't yeah, make her, the money with our hands. You know? Who are getting fucked over <laughs> in exchange for like being able to walk down the road like and not tell people your gender. You know, like how free, how free are you, man? Like, you can call yourself a Latinx person now. That's great. You can have a birth certificate with fucking nothing on it. You um, can join the military. Like, yeah, you can join the military with no genitals, and it doesn't matter. Like, three gay dudes yeah. in a polyamorous open relationship can adopt a baby and register it as having three dads. How good yeah. is that? But everybody can go and fuck themselves if they want a living wage, somewhere to live, yeah. and like good nutritious food and healthcare. Yeah, I, I'm not against any of that shit. I, I actually don't even fucking care, you know? Like it, no, neither am I. Like have 10 dads, have have 100, have every, everybody's yeah. your dad. You know, like I, yeah. I don't fucking care. I'll like, be your dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? I'll be your daddy. Um, but man, it's just the rest of it. Eh? It's, it's the fucking, yeah. I wouldn't give a fuck about Bain and Company and McKinsey um, talking about progressive values if it was at the expense of progression, <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah. See, like, I am a socially progressive person, but I am forced to call out this hypocrisy because there is no real progress being made. Oh, yeah. We're just eating up the fucking, you know, just let's fight these stupid culture wars and just forget yeah. about everybody living in a trailer park. It's, it's totally like fucking... by asset managers. It's, dude, this is... What's happening is like Pimp My Ride, man, the MTV show with Exhibit. Yeah. Like, they rock up to someone's house and they're like, yo, man, your car fucking sucks. We're going <laughs> to pimp this out for you. They put a fish tank in the back with a new stereo and paint it and give you, like, holographic rims. But the yeah. engine's the same fucking shit that it used to be, but they put a new exhaust on. And then they're like, yo, man, we, we pimped your ride. See you later, bro. And then they bail and you're trying to drive to work a week later and the fucking thing falls apart and no one gives a shit. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Even then, like you have this fucking car that looks all right, but it sucks and nothing's changed in your life, and you know. And that's that's, <laughs> that's our fucking world, man. Like that's twenty twenty one in the West. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a fucking. It's an absolute disgusting shit show and nightmare um, mm. for, for everyone involved. So, like, what do you do with all that information? And, and this is one thing that I've thought about. You know, like the job market sucks. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's just so many things out there that just seem shitty and it's really hard to navigate. And, and like the only thing I can see, um, maybe notably with my friends that are doing well, I'm just going to close the window because it's like randomly starting to start hailing here. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the only thing that I can see with people that are, uh, you know, like thriving in this is um, ones that are going completely against the grain. You know, that are like yeah. saying, fuck it. I think all of this stuff is a sham. Um, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to go to trade. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna make shit as opposed to rely on these like really shaky contracts with companies that don't frankly give a fuck about you that are run by some, you know, um, non-human like uh, psychopath over in some New York penthouse. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, because I mean, that's that's in reality when the layoffs come, and I've seen that happen. Entire departments getting offshored to uh, either India or the Philippines or whatever. Um, the only thing that's going to protect you is your ability to make money and your community. 
You know what I mean? And like, if, if you don't have either of those, cause you gave them up, um, oof, rough. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen it happen, man. It's fucking depressing. People come across mm-hmm. when it, you know, this is an old story. I've said it on the pod before. I used to work as a recruiter and I had people coming up to me that had been laid off after fucking 20 years because their entire department got offshore. They didn't think it was going to happen to them. And then they're in their 50s and 60s. And you know what? I can't get you another job because people don't hire people in their 50s and 60s because the labor market's fucking horrendous. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it just sucks. It's horrible. You have to have, you know, like, uh, it's so fucking depressing. Mm. and we don't take care um, of everyone so they just shove them off into dargaville you know See yeah you, later. you know um i i heard something from somebody i know recently which made me really mad and i know it'll make you really mad because this is like you know how you and i talk about um like the morality of shorting shitty companies so like when i talked about yeah. like wanting to short fisker like it wasn't just like a potentially financially lucrative thing to do but it was like this company doesn't deserve to exist. Like the founder and CEO of this company doesn't deserve to be able to raise this capital because he's peddling what is fundamentally a shitty product mm. and is is basically using people, in my opinion, and he's selling false promises. So this um, this person I know was recently, um, who he works in tech, and he was recently made redundant from his uh, job with a tech startup for like the second time in maybe 18 or 24 months. So like he got made redundant from one startup, got a job at another one, and then within maybe six months, was made redundant again. And like these, I mean, we talk about this a lot, but these prizes are so, are so meager, you know? So like you can, you can chase the, the progressive dream or you can have these these goals that are really noble and you can have a skill set that is like valid and you can be very good at your job. You can do everything that you're supposed to do to set yourself up for like a a good run at life. And this system has so much fucking churn and just bullshit involved. Like, uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I'm sorry. But so basically like this startup that he was working for raised a bunch of money. They're selling what? but basically a crappy product they're spending money on like um work drinks and like bean bags for the office so that they can have a startup culture and be a progressive workplace um like the the ceo is so um determined and willing to embrace failure with that he won't pivot and like you know um reiterate his ideas or try and transform the product in order to make more sales like this person plays in a band their band was making more money per month than this startup that was burning through millions of dollars <laughs> and yeah then it's it's like fucking okay sorry mate we've got to make you redundant can you work the next two weeks here's your payout bye yeah and yeah it's 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 infuriating this isn't the and way. it's like no no no, it's not the way and it, like i am hypercritical on a lot of tech because I, I so much of it is just senseless automation that doesn't doesn't need to exist doesn't do yeah. anything um you know and it's just yeah it's frustrating to see so many people also get distracted by these really low level prizes but also i kind of understand it because it's like 
you know, the woman who's in charge of the trailer park now that lived there for 26 years and now gets to, you know, lord over that responsibility over everybody else and is presumably gets some, um, you know, small stipend from Blackstone. Yeah. <laughs> Get the Blackstone minimum wage or whatever. Mm, well, she's never had anything. So, yeah, like that's. Like, you can't blame them. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, fucking A. And, and like, that's, that's what they get. And it's like, mm. oh, God, it's just giving up so much. Um, on a lighter note, I uh, was chatting um, with this person last night. And one yeah. of the things that I uh, was quite buoyed up about was the fact that they were saying that they're working um, this full-time job is making them fucking miserable, you know? And like, that's the prize so many, uh, so many people are told to go after. Like, you too could work 40 hours a week. <laughs> if only you fight for your right to, yeah, yeah. to, to be progressive um and she was like this, this is fucking awful um and was saying fuck it i'm gonna cut down to part-time work and um i've learned to make money by making artsy stuff on the side um and got involved in a community where they sell it to uh the progressive types who work 40 hours a fucking week and stuff like that is mm. cool that's like a return to you know some sense of community and some sense of like being more connected with how dollars are actually generated which is you know uh-huh yeah providing value absolutely to others and not just on the fucking payroll for some company that does maybe nothing or maybe it does something but maybe that mm. something is investing in trailer parks you know and it's like a, it's a return to very low level but functional capitalism. So like, um, Peter Thiel makes this point that, like, capitalists in the traditional sense don't really exist anymore, because like all industry has been offshore. So like the idea of somebody like raising money to build a factory and start producing a product like barely exists. Like mm. now your capitalist is a is a tech startup founder which is absurd but yeah i think in in light of all of this you need to and it's a big ask of people it to and it's far easier said than done but you need to figure out a way to empower yourself to accumulate some level of surplus cash or wealth Mm. and then like double down on your convictions turn that into more and then wisely spend the money that you can on things that you think matter yeah um and I think that's the best way to to maybe improve the situation more broadly and to feel like you're maybe helping. Yeah. Vote with your dollars. Buy um, assets that make money. <laughs> you know? And I, I fully agree, man. I, I think I actually want to give a shout out to Sweaty Startup. We are not mm. funded by them at all. They're fucking awesome. It's a really good resource. Um, something that I look at frequently. And they go into detail about you know, uh, the, the guy has a fantastic opener where he's like, he went to college, uh, and a lot of people went off to go start some new shiny tech company and all of them failed. Um, because fundamentally tech at its core is normally just automation and you have to be automating something you've already done. And if you haven't done anything, then you're not going to starting the new startup for fucking, you know, facial recognition to put mustaches on people like that has to make money at the end of the day and if it doesn't make money then you better hope that you're gonna win the lottery because snapchat will buy you up or something very unlikely sweaty startup basically just looks at like go back to the roots provide a service for someone you know like mow their fucking lawns or some shit um and and to be honest i would rather be doing that than being stuck in the office and and to you know think that that's somehow um the greater good like we're told which it is not at all yeah no yeah. i agree I um 
I will reach out to old mate and see if he wants to come on the podcast. Hey, yeah, that's a really good idea. I actually, um, yeah, that's fucking A. He's, uh, his, his stuff is cool. He's a really interesting guy. Mm. Um, he does a lot of stuff on basically finding ways to, to make alternate forms of income, which I think is going to be more and more important, you know, as we slowly see the decimation of um, the middle class, so it'll lead them to the upper middle class, because why would it not? Uh, I don't think tech is safe. I think within five to 10 years, tech is going to be so gutted because it's just eating itself all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. Uh, let's call it. Go. Cool. Um, this has been a fun episode. I've enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, Not all hope is good lost. Good chats. No. Um, despite what it may sound like. The bullshit. That's the fucking yes. main takeaway. You know? um, if you want to listen to us talk more about uh, stocks and finance, which is one way that you could consider escaping um, the, the web of, of meaningless labor and a treadmill walking, <laughs> then head to uh, Patreon forward slash Modern Guilt and support the podcast by signing up to pay $5 US a month to um, get our, our bonus content where we do deep dives into stocks um, that, we're, that we're interested in or that uh, members of our audience have requested us to research because um, that's our other main ting as well as uh, reading about the downfall of the West. And, um, <laughs> And uh, doing China porn, we yeah. uh, both like stocks very much. Well, so, that goes under the macro investing umbrella in my eyes, right? Like a lot of these stories, I just kind of incorporate into my view of like, where am I going to try and put my money that it doesn't get, mm, you know, yeah. annihilated. I, I, I definitely get, get what you're saying. Um, so for our last episode, we did a sort of takedown of Fisker or uh, <laughs> FSR, which is an electric vehicle company that... I think nobody should be investing in. Uh, And we sort of cautiously approached Ford, which is a company that's receiving a lot of hype at the moment, but that we're not sold on. So for our next episode, I, oh, sorry, sorry. And that that, uh, recent episode is gonna be out um, this week. Um, We've just received the uh, edited version back from Stevie, who is our new man who's gonna be editing those for us from now on. So big shout out to Stevie Stevie. uh, over in Indonesia, Damon's spiritual home. So maybe we should um, try and find. Uh, maybe we should try and uh, talk about a stock that we're uh, a little bit more bullish on for the next episode, just to keep it level. Yep. Um, but anyway, uh, like I said, if you want to do that, head over to Patreon and sign up to support us. Uh, the money just gets reinvested back into helping the podcast run smoothly. We're outsourcing our editing uh, slowly but surely at the moment to try and free up uh, some more of our precious labor time and to um give someone else a little bit of cash so mm, we're job creators now mm, we create yeah. jobs yeah we are uh, moguls yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i learned recently actually that the term uh mogul is derived from uh mongol oh interesting mm, i'm reading i'm reading about genghis khan at the moment oh and, cool uh, anyway good read uh, but right. not relevant so if you want to check us out on social media, follow us on Instagram at Modern Guilt Pod. Uh, hit Guilt us on Twitter. Modern. There you go. Um, and that's us. So thanks for All listening. Right. Uh, take care out there because the world won't take care of you. Right. <laughs>